What a week it has been. One of the greatest privileges of being a pastor is the invitation to be with people in life's ups and downs. And this past week was a full one. Now, without betraying any confidences, I will say that, collectively speaking, we are a tired and stressed out bunch. We are worried about the new COVID surge, schools starting in less than a month, low vaccination rates in Arkansas, exhausted healthcare workers, overcrowded hospitals. We worry, I think, about having to go back into more restrictions and losing the reconnections we have made. They, like church, are a lifeline that we no longer take for granted. Now, the Summer Summer Olympics, of course, are a bright spot, but even they feel, what's the word, complicated this time around? So, all that is to say, if you happen to feel like your emotional reserves are running a little low, or maybe that you have relationships that are strained, or that you have fears of the future weighing on you, I can say on good authority, that you are not alone. We could all use a miracle or two right about now. Now, one of the stories I heard this week was about a miracle and a man who needed one. He had a serious medical condition that doctors couldn't fix, though they tried everything. He had heard about the Order of St. Luke here at Christ Church, which was a healing ministry that involved the laying on of hands and prayer. He decided to check it out, He certainly didn't have anything to lose. Rufus Womble, the rector at the time, prayed over him, and as I understand it, the man was healed instantly of his condition. Now, those of you who were here at Christ Church in those days may have your own healing stories, and you might remember that there was a mixed reaction to the healing ministry. Some believed and some scoffed which is not surprising. For what it's worth, I'm not sure Episcopalians have ever agreed on miracles, ancient or modern. If you ask a room full of us about spontaneous healings, for example, or the virgin birth, the resurrection of the body, Jesus walking on water, turning water into wine, you will have as many different opinions as the number of people in the room. We get a little fidgety when the topic of miracles comes up, and we don't know exactly what to do with them. Now, part of it is just a modern problem, a a general preference for a scientific explanation. But part of it, I think, comes from our discomfort when we find ourselves in need of healing, in need of a miracle, perhaps in times like these. Now, for the record, I am pro-miracle. In the words of Phyllis Tickle, the miracle stories in the Bible must be true because they are so beautiful. Each one is like a facet on a diamond, showing us an aspect of God who, even when we put all the facets together, is still greater than any diamond we can imagine. Miracles are signs of the Holy One, creator of the universe, source of all life, who is also somehow loving and close at hand. 
And though we don't often think of them this way, miracles are also about who we are in relationship to God. A good miracle story is as much about the healer as the healed. Take today, take John's version of the feeding of the 5,000. Interestingly, it's the only miracle told in all four Gospels and told six different ways at that. So it must have been of great significance to the earliest Christians. The details of John's version in particular are a joy to explore. For example, John tells us that it was almost time for the Passover, a high holy day that would normally send Jews from all over to the temple in Jerusalem. But this crowd followed Jesus up a mountain in the opposite direction. The Gospel of John was likely written after the destruction of the temple in the year 70. Temple worship was no longer an option. John is making the point that the God who was once found in the temple can now be found in Jesus, a deeply hopeful message in a time of crisis. That detail is only the beginning. Take the size of the crowd. 5,000 was roughly the size of an ancient army. Armies have to be fed. Once this crowd has its fill from only a few loaves and fish, with leftovers, my favorite detail, they understandably want to make Jesus king because kings feed armies. But he is a different kind of leader with a different kind of food. In a few verses... Jesus will say, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Now this magnificent scene in John was playing in my head over the week, especially as I listened to so many stories. I wondered what the feeding of the 5,000 could say to us, a tired and stressed out lot. It was then that a detail in the story jumped out, and it's one that I had not really noticed before. Jesus tells the disciples to have everyone sit down because there's a lot of grass in the area. Since no detail goes to waste in John's Gospel, the grass is important. The grass symbolizes a pasture in the wilderness, a place of provision and plenty for sheep. The hungry army of 5,000 thus becomes a flock of sheep well cared for by Jesus, the Good Shepherd. That theme will be developed later in the Gospel, but for now we have a glimpse of a loving shepherd who cares for his sheep out of divine abundance. The miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 shows us a facet of who Jesus is, but the miracle is also about who we are. In particular, it's a story about our hunger, our, our need for divine provision and care. And Jesus meets us there. He is the good shepherd who satisfies our hunger and calms our anxiety. He makes us lie down in green pastures, as the psalmist says, when things are difficult in the valley of the shadow of death. The miracle is about literal loaves and fish which must be true because it is so beautiful. But the miracle is also about finding comfort in God just when we need it. 
Now, miracles may or may not be your thing. I get it. Whatever you think of them, it's fair to say that all of us could use a green pasture in these difficult days, a place to rest and a place to be fed. Today's gospel can offer that. In the 16th century, St. Ignatius of Loyola made a spiritual suggestion that surprised his fellow priests. He said that we should imagine ourselves inside the story, first century dust and all, and see what we notice. This is a practice you can do anytime with scripture, but it is especially powerful in the miracle stories. It goes something like this. Come sit on the grass with the rest of the crowd. Notice the sights and the sounds and the smells all around you. Spend some time on them. Then notice the thoughts on your mind. Track what's weighing on your heart. A basket of food is being passed around you and it makes its way to you. You notice that it is full even though people have already taken out large portions. When the basket comes to you, take as much as you need. This is the bread of life, the bread of heaven. Take your fill, there is more than enough. Rest in the presence of Christ. When you're ready to come back down the mountain, notice that the Lord has satisfied your hunger with the bread of life, with his very presence. Carry with you an experience of a miraculous and inexhaustible abundance. Come away knowing that whatever we face, there is no shortage of the true bread that we need for our journey. Amen.